Once upon a photo blurry, while I pondered full of worry over many a hint and furious ticket one midsummer eve, while I scribbled points for talking, suddenly there came a knocking, as of someone gently caulking, caulking up my window eaves. Tis some idiot, I prattled, rattling my window eaves, fans whose teams have not achieved. Oh, and sadly I was sober in the middle of October, and the storied ghosts moreover in my books brought no reprieve. So that then, to stop the clamor in my mind, I stood and stammered. Tis some idiot enamored with the sports they do perceive. Some huge asshole watching all the cable sports that they receive. That it is, so I believe. Presently, my patience wearing, standing then with nostrils flaring. Dude! Said I. Or lady, truly I am starting to get peeved. But the fact is I was reading, and your shitty team's retreating, and your yelling's causing beating, beating at my window's eaves. Other neighbors must have heard you. Quickly up I rolled my sleeves. Silence then, like Christmas Eve. Open here I flung the curtain, when, with swiftness sure and certain, in there leapt a cheeky gremlin of the type that's sure to grieve. Not a happy high he offered, not a Chesterfield he proffered, but with presence purely priggish perched above my window eave, on a bust of famous Beethoven just above my window eave, perched and sat, and wouldn't leave. Still, this silly cryptid's actions were a welcome new distraction, by the strange and rare abstraction of which no one would believe. Though your top hat's wicked awesome and I said, my interest blossoms, surely you will not play possum on my inside window eve. Tell me what your silly name is on the night's reptilian reeve, quoth the gremlin. Y'all should leave. Startled that the creature uttered such a baffling phrase, I muttered, Holy sh! My biscuit's buttered. You're not here to wreck and thieve. Can you tell me of the fairies, witches, gin, and Bigfoot's hairy? Can you tell me how contrary spirits act on Hollow's Eve? Is there, is there proof of Hollow Earth? Tell me, tell me, don't deceive. Quoth the gremlin. Y'all should leave. Be that phrase the last you'll blubber. Fool! I said. Now burn some rubber. Get your ass back to the pub or I will chuck you with a heave. Yet still he sits, serenely faced, and ucks my shit with spite misplaced. As long as it can get its taste, upon my window it shall cleave. Get that smirk from off your face, and get your ass from off my eve, quoth the gremlin. Y'all should leave. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oh, uh, you just got culture in your face. Take that. American literature right up in your grill. Hey, oh. everybody. I'm David Flora. I am the ghost of David Stacco. And welcome to Blurry Photober. The spookiest Photober there is. Technically the only Photober. We have lawyers that ensure that. Nice. They're gin. Yep. You should talk to them. <laughs> then, then y'all should leave. Then y'all should leave. I hope everybody's doing well. How man? How can you not be doing well? This is the best month of the year. It's the best month, but sadly, there's not much of it left. No. Ugh. It's been such a nice weather month, too. It's, it's been spectacular. I love October, and there's a very good reason for that. Yeah. Mostly because it's your birthday in, in the month. Dude, it starts with my birthday. <laughs> it ends with Halloween. 
Boom. Yeah, and I just got a nosebleed. Kapow. <laughs> this episode's going to be a fun one, I think. Oh, this thing, this episode's going to kick you square in the slats. <laughs> yeah, Where are those I said located? It. Well, see, that's what I like about it, is it's not very specific. So, yeah. like, everyone can go, ooh, my slats. <laughs> I don't want those kicked in. Mm -mm. Don't be kicking my slats, y'all. <laughs> you know what? It is impolite to harass my slats. <laughs> I saw y'all looking at my slats. Y'all just, <laughs> just quit it. Yeah, this episode, we're going to be talking about the legend of Sleepy Hollow. That's right. Oh, one of the best parts of Halloween. It's so good. It's so good. This is, it, it, it's one of those stories that you grew up with, I bet. Yep. If you're American. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you can't. You swing a dead cat in the in this month without seeing the awesome uh, the Disney animated one. There's a thousand references to the headless horseman in a thousand different places. Mm -hmm. And the that Disney one is just it's such a classic. Oh man, I I don't know. I mean, that's what I grew up with. Yeah, I, I loved watching that thing. And if you if you haven't seen it, go out to uh, the YouTube's and uh, pull it up on there. It's it's on there, and it is it is art. It is so great, so good. And, and, you know, like, there's a lot of things that I understand that I love because of the nostalgia of it. Take, for example, the movie Flash Gordon. I love that. And we'll get into a physical altercation. That's right. Flash! Dude, music by Queen. It's, an, it's one of my favorite things ever. But it's not like I would ever say that's art. I know that I love it because I saw it when I was like six. And for a six-year-old, it's a pretty complex movie. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, but but I, I think that The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the Disney animated version, will be with us forever. It's the same way like those, those weird stop-motion Christmas specials with mm -hmm. Rudolph and stuff from the 60s. We'll watch those forever. Yeah. Because it's just... Just that's how it's done. Yeah. Like they established the gold standard for that particular thing. I don't want to make toys. I want to be a dentist. <laughs> I don't think that's the only thing he was trying to find a way around. <laughs> trying to find a way around a bumble. That's right. <laughs> to this uh, day, uh, my sister and I, whenever, <laughs> whenever it's like Thanksgiving and you kind of like don't know what something is, she'll stick a fork in it and then lick the fork and go, Nothing. <laughs> We Yukon Cornelius oh, regularly. Him. He's so great. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you know, if, if it wasn't crossing the streams with a Christmas to Halloween thing, you could actually pull off an absolutely amazing Yukon Cornelius costume. Yeah, yeah. I, I Nobody's going to care. I think people would appreciate yeah. what, what the costuming is, you know, unless you're going for like a sexy Cornelius. <laughs> that is so, okay, you know what? Sexy Bumble. I'm I'm pushing back. I'm pushing. I'm sorry, but this has to happen now. This is a conversation has to happen. <laughs> People, you don't need sexy costumes. Stop it. Yeah, you need a sex life. Yeah. <laughs> no, do, I, I don't not, know. I think I, just, I think you there, and I thought we had different reasons for this lecture. Well, well, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not letting it go that easily, though. Seriously, the the advent of the like. <laughs> Everyone likes looking at naughty cop costumes. I'm not knocking that. It's a fact. But seriously, just don't buy the sexy costumes and then they'll stop making them. I'm not opposed to people looking sexy, but I think that Halloween deserves a little bit better. Yeah. And you know what? I think you deserve a little bit better. 
I think a really creative and well thought out homemade costume sends volumes more about you and how desirable you are than how much of your boobs are visible. I'm just putting that out there. I would, I would be far more attractive to a girl that I knew that, you know, knows how to like envision a cool ass concept of a costume and then try to make that happen. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm far more impressed by that. And you'd have a, a very active sex life full of costumes. Hey. That you don't have to just right. pull out on uh, Halloween. Right. I mean, I will, I'm still willing to treat you like you're wearing a sexy outfit. You'll <laughs> get all the same attention, but but you'll also get your self-respect and dignity. Well, oh, wait. You, you can have mine, too, because I'm not going to use it. <laughs> so, back to the terror. Yeah, sorry. I'm Legend just... of Sleepy Hollow, this this episode, we're going to talk about, uh, well, first of all, who Washington Irving was. It was a sexy Burton Ernie costume. That's what set me off. I saw that someone had made a sexy Burton Ernie costume, and that's so deplorably that. just ignorant. Now I'm moving on. Now we're talking about the, <laughs> the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the the author of uh, the short story, Washington Irving, we're, we're going to talk about him mostly because he was a, a, a pretty badass individual. Yeah. And was popular here in the states for a while but i feel like that popularity has waned and and he's i don't know not not so much uh revered as as he once was yeah i mean it's it's a some somewhat familiar name i mean you know you say washington irving it's it's familiar but I, you couldn't say where but i mean yeah, he was he was a, a really popular author i mean he rip van winkle that's yep. him yep Sleepy Hollow, that's him. Yeah, and and he's a he's a a great American writer. Yeah, so we're going to talk about his life a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about the characters of the story and the story itself. Um, maybe if the tale, whether or not it was completely fictional or not. What? what? And uh, the the pop culture aspects of it, why it's so popular, why why it might be important. And it also, um, I I hate to keep bringing it back to the Disney thing, but like as a Disney story goes. It's got a kind of a twist ending for a Disney story. Yeah, <laughs> and and we'll pro- we'll probably reference that. I, I feel like that's the most well known. I, I really, yeah, I really think that's the most well known re- retelling of of the story mm-hmm. that's out there. And so we'll probably touch touch back. It's like home base. Yeah, consider consider it that. <laughs> but we'll get to more of that later. Let's talk about uh, Mr. Irving now. Yeah. Born in 1783 in Manhattan, New York. Julius uh, Irving was a uh, three-time <laughs> uh, All-American. Wrong, wrong. I don't even think it's spelled the same. <laughs> Wait. Are we trying? Oh, God. I did the wrong You did research. the wrong one? Uh, no, he was born to uh, Scottish-English immigrants, William and Sarah Irving, and uh, was the youngest of 11 children. Ugh. And so named after the commander of the Continental Army himself, George Washington whom he met at age six after Washington was newly inaugurated. Crazy. Yeah. And that wasn't the first person slash president that he met in his storied life. Get to that later, though. But uh, he was not much for schooling. Like like most writers, had very little use for books or or letter learning. Well, he did like books. He liked reading, and he liked stories of adventure, like Sinbad and Robinson Crusoe. And he would sneak out of school to see plays... In the theater. Naughty boy. In 1798, with the outbreak of yellow fever in the city, which was a, a big deal. Don't don't mistake that. That's a vector-borne disease. Just putting that out there. Typhoid Mary comes out of this. We might mm-hmm. we might do something 
with that later. Uh, Irving was sent north to stay with a friend in the village of Terrytown, New York. And here he learned of the small nearby town called Sleepy Hollow, along with its share of local ghost stories. Which, I mean, uh, and I, I looked up and I, I found a ton of photos of the actual location. It is spooky. Yeah. It is a spooky it's a place. It's a tucked beautiful. away place. Yeah. It is gorgeous. Up the, uh, the Hudson River and yep. the, the valley there. He traveled north up the Hudson River uh, many more times, including a very impressionable trip through the Catskills one time. And that uh, being the setting for Rip Van Winkle, it really left mm-hmm. an impression on him. In 1802, the 19-year-old Irving wrote letters to a local paper, the Morning Chronicle, under the pseudonym Jonathan Oldstyle. Yeah. Oh, we. Later changed his name to Coors Budweiser. <laughs> Reginald Redstripe. And these, uh, these letters gave him some attention, uh, got, got him some looks from people. People enjoyed reading them. And uh, apparently his health wasn't great because he was uh, sent to Europe for some recouping from uh, 1804 to 1806. His brothers put together a trip for him, sent him over to Europe to, I guess, you know. For two years. For a couple of years to get better. I'd never found what was wrong with him. Exactly, but probably murdered someone. That's that sounds like a get a guy off the continent until things cool down. Uh, back in the states, he studied a bit of law and actually barely passed the bar in eighteen oh six. But he wasn't much for uh, for the learning there. Yeah, he didn't like to study. Yeah, in eighteen oh seven, he created the literary magazine Salmagundi. Or the whimwams and opinions of Lancelot Langstaff, Esquire, and others. Oh, he is a card. He doesn't care who he hurts. <laughs> that that's the subtitle. I, I feel like <laughs> they they picked the the right title on it. Apparently, it was a lot like uh, the Mad Magazine of its day. Uh, a very satirical thing, making fun of you know all the crap that goes on. I I would love to see an issue of that. I. What do you think? Like turn of the the 19th century era satire even looks like um probably a lot of geese and chickens and and guys with pies in their mouths clearly labeled (laughs) i don't know women who you can see their bloomers what this ain't no porn rag come on in uh in one issue of it he attached the name gotham to new york city Ooh, they attribute that i think to the the first time that New York was called Gotham City. Uh, and apparently it was an Anglo-Saxon word meaning goat's town. So in actuality, it's kind of uh, poking fun at it. Yeah. So there you go, Batman. Yeah, there you go. Too bad Too bad. Chicago's really Gotham. Caped crusader of goat's town. Mm-hmm. And when he had to blow up Gotham, then it couldn't be Chicago anymore. Then it had to be Pittsburgh. Then we're okay again. <laughs> I couldn't see Pittsburgh as a... As an okay Gotham, if it were bigger. Yeah, you got to blow. If you got to pick a Gotham to blow up, do that one. Other pen names that he wrote under included William Wizard, Mustafa Rubadub Keeley Khan, and Pinder Cockloft. Jesus, I was gonna make up some names and I can't touch those. The name's Pinder Pinder Cockloft. <laughs> what did he do for a living? <laughs> So uh, I guess they got about 20 issues of that published uh, before financial disagreements took over and stopped. Oh. 1809, he was engaged to a lady by the name of Matilda Hoffman. 
Uh, but she died. She was uh, 17 at the time. He never married after that. Oh, poor guy. Same same year, uh, he completed his first book called A History of New York from the Beginning of the World to the End of the Dutch Dynasty, which was actually very popular and earned him some fame. He went under the name Diedrich Knickerbocker for that one. Yeah. Uh, actually, a pretty clever uh, marketing campaign for it, really. He he made up this this character and sent out a bunch of notices saying, have you seen me kind of thing? Have you, have you seen this guy? He's, he's lost. Uh, nobody can find him. And, and the hotel he was staying at threatened to publish his works if he wasn't found. And it stirred up a lot of uh, uh, interest yeah. before he even published this work. Pretty clever maneuver. Clever girl. In 1814, he enlisted in the Army uh, after the British attacked Washington, D.C., but he didn't actually see much action. And in 1815, he left for England to try and save his family's business. They, were, they had a, a merchant business that was uh, in trouble after all the fighting. And uh, he was unsuccessful in saving the business as it went bankrupt. But he then stayed in Europe for another 17 years. <laughs> yeah, you know, while, while in town. Why not? 1817, he wrote Rip Van Winkle and kept writing other short stories and essays, including The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And in 1819, he sent a bunch of them to his brother in New York City, his brother, whose name was Ebenezer, by the way. He sent them to be published as the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, Gentleman. And those were penned under the pseudonym Jeffrey Crayon. It was issued in seven installments in New York and two volumes in London, and was an enormous success. He then bopped around France, Germany, and Spain until 1829, when he was appointed secretary to the American legation in London. Ooh. And in 1832, he returned to New York, continued to write, and in 1835, bought a cottage in Terrytown. Later in 1842, he was appointed as minister to Spain, and went back to Spain, stayed there for four years, and then returned in 1846. While in Spain, he continued to write, including some uh, stories about Columbus, some stories about the Moors and the Alhambra that's the, that was there in Granada. He died in 1859 and is buried at Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Spooky. Mm-hmm. He is considered one of, if not the father of American literature and the first internationally successful author. He had a, a very, just a beautifully descriptive style to his writing. He he brought much of the American countryside and the the culture to life just in reading Sleepy Hollow. It's it's gorgeous. The the writing of it itself yeah. is gorgeous, but the descriptions are just vivid and his writing is really funny. Well, and his I mean even even for uh, functionally a, a a fanciful folktale that he's just scribbling out, he does a lot of research. I mean, like he knew a lot about the area, just yeah. that he didn't necessarily have to. But I mean, there's a reason why his stories have been immortalized, yeah. And you know, maybe not so much for other people, right? His his stories, his style of writing, is less um, teachy uh, than other writing of the time. I think the popular thing uh, was to be very. They call it didactic. You know, they yeah. It's it's you're you're. Writing to, to teach something as opposed to writing for entertainment. And he, he was definitely more writing for entertainment. 
and to make people laugh. A yeah. lot of his stuff is satire. And that's, you know, it's it's a lifelong hatred for schooling. He's yeah, not going to... That'll do it. He doesn't want nothing to do with it. And he's not going to be a part of that machine. <laughs> he was immensely popular by the end of his life. And he met such famous figures as Martin Van Buren, John Jacob Astor, Edgar Allan Poe, Presidents Tyler, Fillmore, Pierce. Uh, he was a, he was a popular dude. Oh, dude! You want to know who else he was popular with? The ladies, in particular, one Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Hello, author of Frankenstein. That's the one. She was into his flavor. <laughs> It's like established that she just thought he was the hottest thing in the world, yeah. and he was all like, nah. nah. <laughs> Idiot. And here's a, here's a small uh, factoid for you. Irving Park in Chicago, so named for Washington Irving. No way. Way, dude. I did not know that. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so that's a little bit about uh, Washington Irving, a real barn-burning uh, biography <laughs> for you. Really cool dude. Oh, he was just the coolest. Like, not, I love this. Yeah, he, he he is not given his due these days, I, I don't think. Well, I mean, it's Unless because, you're an English major. Man. Right, it's, it's because he's not commonly, I don't know, like, as, as we already claimed, you know, made really clear, like, everyone reacts so powerfully to the, like, the Disney Sleepy Hollow that there's almost, I mean, it's it's easy to be like, oh, Disney made it up. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's hard to remember that there was a, a time where, Disney didn't make anything up where yeah. everything had a, a you know a root story and they didn't they didn't write their own things you know they they would take tales that people were comfortable with and and familiar with and right and animate those you know? right cuz they there's one thing that Walt Disney learned from his like 12 failed businesses is that you got to give the people what they want and something that they're familiar with yeah. And that's that's how he was able to finally make money. Well, and it was a smart formula too, taking uh, folk tales and and things and animating them that that worked well for them a bit yeah yeah um so let's talk about this this legend let's talk about the story itself yeah now there's there's some really cool history to this area that um our friend w irving was really uh really made himself a a a student of um for example terrytown and the associated sleepy hollow historically lived in the in a demilitarized zone Hmm. During the Revolutionary War, this this particular town was stuck in this 30-mile swath. The British military controlled the south, um, and they were fortified south of the Bronx River. And the uh, the Continental Army was had established their battle line 30 miles north. Hmm. So the this 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 area, the, all the towns in here, it was like no man's land. There were highwaymen. There was no law. Everything was real wild westy. Thunderdome. Yeah, and you would get these. Um, when I say the British army held the southern position, it was actually Hessians, German Hessian soldiers. Um, they were German mercenaries that they that the British used. Mm. Uh, the crown used everywhere. Yeah, we'll we'll get to those in some detail in a yeah. bit. And so this town was in a particularly violent place. It wasn't safe to go out alone at night. Like weird stuff could happen because it was claimed by neither side, but they were infiltrating units through this area. It was a dangerous time to live there. And when you've got a spooky woods plus real, yeah, real reasons to be afraid at night, things happen. Yeah. And it's, it's a great setting for uh, a story that is a tale of superstition, uh, a tale of conflict, of human nature. 
it's it's got all kinds of, of stuff in it for a short story, and it's also a humorous satire of gothic and romantic literature. Yeah, and, it, and it's got, like, all these great archetypes in it. Mm-hmm. There's the beautiful young woman, you know, there's the beautiful woman who is also worth a large amount of money, mm-hmm. and there's the two men vying for her attention, and this is where things get real beauty and the beast, you know? <laughs> There's like Ichabod, who's like a, you know, lanky, silly school teacher and all smarts. Yeah. And then there's Gaston. <laughs> and and I mean like and the guy's name, I mean like that's how you know that this is his name is Brom Bones Van Brunt. Yeah. For Ab- crying out loud. Abraham Van Brunt, uh nicknamed Brom Bones because of his uh, imposing physique. Yeah. <laughs> He's especially good at expectorating. <laughs> we uh, we had a little request for for a more Disney songs, so I'm trying to honor that as best I can. Did we? We did. We did. Well, I, we we've kind of got an organic rule of always one uh, musical number. Yeah, <laughs> and it that it works right there. That's that was that was awesome. No one uh, scares <laughs> like Gaston. No one cares like Gaston. No one is splitting <laughs> of airs like Gaston. I don't know the poor song. country school teachers unawares <laughs> like Gaston. I'd add that in there, but that that, that actually is topical, <laughs> so it makes sense. He's especially good at decapitating. <laughs> uh, funny thing about Beauty and the Beast, Gaston is nowhere to be found in the original story. Yep. Well, the original story is real weird. And, well, it's and German. It's, no, it's French, actually. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought they just relocated it to France. <laughs> no. No, it's a it's a French one. Ooh la la! Bells. That, is, that explains the thirty minute sex scene in the middle of a Disney movie. Yeah, all the spanking. You're right. So uh, the story is set in 1790 in the Dutch settlement of Sleepy Hollow, and it follows the Connecticut Yankee Ichabod Crane, a learned man of letters who was tall, lanky, and had quote hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, feet that might have served for shovels, huge ears, and a long snipe nose, like a scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. You know, and I, I think I think that maybe like that's how you denote at that time that someone was just a gigantic boob or, or a candy ass, because the phrase Connecticut Yankee comes up in other times. There's Mark Twain's, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's like a Upper West Side douchebag. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that was just a an archetype of sorts that yeah. was popular at the time. Something uh, a, a redneck called a yuppie, right? <laughs> and other stereotypical infighting. Well, anyway, uh, Ichabod. Here's a uh, quick summation of of the the story for you. Yeah, Ichabod becomes a schoolmaster. He comes into Sleepy Hollow. He becomes a schoolmaster and choir master. Uh, he soon sets his sights on young Katrina Van Tassel, mm-hmm. the, the young, hottest eighteen-year-old in town, right? The daughter and daughter of the wealthiest uh, farmer in town, Baltus Van Tassel, who was considered significantly over the hill by the age of eighteen. Yeah, confirmed old spinster, right? Cat lady. <laughs> the problem is she's already being pursued by Abraham Van Brunt. A.K.A. Gaston, Gaston for our purposes. Brom Bones, or Gaston, uh, who was an immature, brutish, young cock of the walk. Also town hero because he was the loudest and strongest, right? Dude, he has every breakfast, he has like four dozen eggs. So he's roughly the size of a barge. 
<laughs> so bad. Beauty and the Beast was not one of the ones. If you oh, man. Aladdin, I would, I would be right there with you. <laughs> there's, um, there, there's actually even a, a line in the song about him, uh, how much he harasses Belle's dad that is pretty much taken straight from uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> Something about harass, uh, harassing harmless crank pots. Um, he pulls pranks on the superstitious crane to get him even more freaked out than usual. And Brahm sets the stage to spook Ichabod away from uh, Katrina at a harvest party at the Van Tassels. So these two guys, they're, uh, they're pitted against each other for the heart of this woman. Would you say it was a, your classic uh, cranes versus brawn? <laughs> Bra- brawn versus cranes? It, yeah. Because it's Braun versus Brains, but his name's Braun, and the other guy's name's Crane. It rhymes with Brains. Do you see what I did there? I see. <sighs> I'm trying so hard. You should save it. <laughs> no. Save it to the end. <laughs> Telling the story of the headless horseman who, quote, rides forth to the scene of battle in nightly quest of his head, Brom watches Crane take it all in. And gets spooked out and spooked out. And after the party, Crane asks Katrina to marry him. Spoiler alert. She says no. Crane rides home alone, heartbroken, but soon encounters a huge rider with no head who chases him to the bridge at the old Dutch church. The rider hurls a jack-o'-lantern at Crane, and the next morning, all that's found is Crane's hat, saddle, horse, and a broken pumpkin. He's never seen in Sleepy Hollow again, and Brahm and Katrina are soon married, and the whispers say that Crane was merely run off and uh, lived as a judge in some faraway county. I've had it with you Sleepy Hollow people. I tried to be one of you. I tried to teach your children, but fine. I'm going to go be a judge somewhere else. (laughs) Although, other whispers said that he was spirited away. By the spirits of the headless horseman. That that's a real quick uh, and and really unsexy synopsis of of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, we really pulled a lot of the sex out, and I'm going to put some of it back in. If you do anything this blurry photober, find this thing on the internet at your library. Oh, man, do read yourself it. such a favor. Go pull it up on an audio book. Listen to somebody else read it for you. Whatever, whatever lifts your skirt for it, but listen or read this thing because it's great. It's so beautifully written. Uh, it's it's really funny, and it's a great. It's just a great story. Now it has roots in old Germanic stories. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, consistencies there, particularly of Dervalde Jaeger, uh huh, the wild huntsman. Uh, who is a ghostly figure on horseback that chases people through the woods, usually those who are on the unvirtuous side. What? And that even harkens back to the Wild Hunt, which we mentioned on our Yule episode. Yeah. Seeing a, a headless rider or something akin to phantom huntsman mad dashing through the woods, uh, usually pretty bad omen for whoever sees that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll that'll mess with you. Also, who do, who else does this sound like? Our Irish friend, the Dullahan. Oh no way! Remember that bastard? Yep. I mean, not as well as I remember the Nucklevy, but he didn't have as much of a song. So, <laughs> Dullahan was most like Dullahan. Dullahan. His whip is a spine. His whip is a spine. Dullahan. Dullahan. 
Yeah, so the icon of a headless horseman has been around for a while. Yep. This being a Dutch settlement, they're they're going to have their share of stories of, of headless uh, riders and ghosts and specters. And, and now part of the thing that helps uh, regionally is there's a little piece of regional lore about this. That after a skirmish during the Revolutionary War in the area, um, there was found a headless Hessian. Mm. Yeah. And uh, they... They found the body. They just never found the head. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and and I think that's the kind of weird, specific thing that well, you've got a tiny town. You know, that's going <laughs> to a big st- deal. Yeah, that's that's something that's going to get talked about around campfires. Yeah. Now the the story was set just fourteen years after the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. and just a hundred years after the Salem witch trials. So the area is already heavy on superstition and has a lot of ghost stories floating around. Yep. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the characters themselves here, starting with Mr. Crane, old Ichabod. Now, the name Ichabod Crane comes from an actual person, comes from a career military officer uh, of the era, Colonel Ichabod Crane. Yep. Although the persona of Ichabod comes from someone else, a, a person by the name of Jesse Merwin, who taught school in the area. Colonel Crane was not <laughs> like this at all. In fact, he was he was pretty badass as far as <laughs> military guys go. But this Jesse Merwin apparently was real awkward and, and much alike Ichabod in the story. Uh, the character of Katrina Van Tassel mm-hmm. may be based on a uh, lady by the name of Eleanor Van Tassel Brush with the name of her aunt, Katrina Ecker Von Texel. So it may be a kind of a conglomeration of the two. Now, I don't know about the persona, the character itself of, of Katrina. In the story, Katrina is not in it very much. She's very much a, a tertiary character in there, mostly talked about as opposed to uh, talked to. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more of a, a subject of discussion versus a, 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 a direct discussion you have with someone <laughs> sure yeah so how about the old headless horseman here well i mean um there's a there's a strong piece of local lore working in his favor right off the right, bat right like you said the headless jaeger uh found by the van tassel family mm-hmm. after a battle and buried in an unmarked grave in the old dutch burying ground and uh and as we mentioned earlier he's said to be the ghost of a hessian mercenary whose head was shot off by a cannonball during um, some unimportant skirmish in the Revolutionary War. You know what, though? Uh, back then, if there's a way to go. It's a pretty, pretty good way to go. Yeah, because everything's fine, and then it all just goes black. There's no middle ground. <laughs> Unless your head completely explodes like a, like a melon, you might get a few seconds of flying through the air being like, what the f***? Boy, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think melon is the way that's going to go. I yeah. think that you're there, and then it's just just nothing. God, and that's how you become a ghost because you you don't know you died. That's and that's you're pretty sudden. pissed. Yeah, you were in the middle of a war. There are a lot of stories, uh, yeah, out there too. Uh, one of which stated the Hessian had his uh, head taken off while in full charge towards the line of of Continental Army, and still drew a sword and charged into the line headless swinging the sword. Wow. That's then, one story. And then that's I saw there. the baby and the baby waved at me. <laughs> I ate my Wookiee. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, apparently he uh, is always uh, pictured on a, a coal black horse uh, with glowing red eyes and, and has a sword that may or may not be on fire. I think in recent times he's pictured a lot with uh, a, a riding axe. Yep. Uh, a footman's axe or something that... Uh, so to help sever, to help to unburden other people of their heads. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, uh, the, the ghost is always in search of his head, which means that uh, no one else's head is safe, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> now, a little bit about uh, Hessians. These were, like we said, mercenaries hired by the British in the 18th century to fight their wars. And um, since almost half of them came from the Hesse region of uh, West Central Germany, yep. they were all dubbed Hessians. They were Jaegers, which were uh, huntsmen. They were skilled skirmishers, very good with rifles. They had Hussars, which were light cavalry. Yep, mounted. Mm-hmm. Artillery. And uh, Grenadiers, who were uh, your, your tough specialist. They would also uh, hurl grenades. As the name might on. imply, there was uh, there were some grenades getting thrown around. Mm-hmm. That became a less popular technique as uh, military technology moved forward, but that's how they started out. And it's estimated that around uh, thirty thousand Hessians fought in the Revolutionary War. And here's a, here's a deal: a lot of them were forced into service by their respective regions' prince. Yeah, they were the they were sold as mercenaries. Prince is like, oh, you want some some units to go fight your your war? Sure, give me a lot of money. Right, yeah, give me ten thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, listen, guys, you know I really I talked him up as best I could, but uh, they would only they would only pay a thousand dollars for you guys. So yeah. you know, here here's the thousand dollars. Split it up however you want. I'm I just wish it was more, guys. I'm really sorry, but, but good you, luck. Yeah, but you all should get the f- on that boat now, right now. Or you, you're going to be uh, beaten by the rest of the people in your unit. Yep. Uh, you, you might even be strung up and, and drugged through the streets. Uh, so, I mean, it's it, really, it's your choice. Yeah. I when mean, you think about it, it's your I choice. I really went to bat for you guys, but 1000 was the most they had. Um, I have to get inside my hover carriage now. <laughs> I like that. Having a lot of money <laughs> meant that you bought hover old-timey yep. stuff. That's how it's always worked. If you got money, you hover. Uh, when they come to attack us, I'm going to put on my hover armor Yep, and um, get on my uh, hover horse and, yeah. and we're going to ride out into battle. That's right. Where's my hover rifle? That's how it works. Um, and, you know, and actually, uh, do you know that the um, Warner Brothers made a great revolutionary era cartoon? This sounds like I'm setting up a pun, but this is true. <laughs> and it was, it was revolutionary Bugs Bunny versus... German Yosemite Sam, and he was like, I'm a Hessian without no aggression. I, I remember that. Yeah. 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 He had that little hat. Yeah. I think it was a, a Grenadier's hat, actually. Yeah, you're right. The, you're absolutely the, right. The conic almost uh, miter. Um, yeah, it looked almost like a Pope hat. Yeah. So, uh, War Pope. So, <laughs> hover Pope. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about the, the old Hessians there. Also, the same dudes that Washington royally up the ass on Christmas Day. Yeah, he really. That's that's America. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's America. A ceasefire on Christmas? Nope. <laughs> Guess what? Wake up, assholes! <laughs> Ding dong! <laughs> Throat slit calling. <laughs> Merry Christmas, assholes! <laughs> oh, history. So um, the in the story, the horseman is said to vanish upon reaching the bridge next to the old Dutch burying ground, uh, which runs over the Pocatico River. 
That's, that's a point that's really hit hard in all the stories. Yeah. The the river is the safe point. He can't he has no power to cross the river, the bridge there. So if if you see him, you make for that bridge as fast as you can. And we've gone over this in probably four different podcasts. People. Running water. Running water. That's how you get away from everything. Yeah. Except for Bat Squatch. Ain't no getting away from Bat Squatch. He can fly. He don't care. He's got stealth technology. I heard he can launch autonomous drones. Oh, God. That's right. Bat Squatch is watching you right now. (laughs) He's sitting in his cave with like the computer from Batman (laughs) begins or Dark Dark Knight Rises, whichever one. Right. All of of them. Batman. Batman. Bat Squatch. But switch, but yeah, that's uh, it's that consistent thing. Like the whole, the whole story is a race to the bridge, to the yeah. to to cross the bridge, and man, it classic good storytelling. Ichabod makes it. He makes it to the he bridge. He did. Yeah. He gets across the bridge, and he's like, "Oh, thank God, I did it!" And that's when he learns of the headless horseman's power attack. <laughs> <laughs> He was just building up his super meter the whole fight yep. for this one moment. Launches a flaming jack-o'-lantern right at Ichabod's face. Yep. <laughs> Direct hit. Haruken. Finish him. Yeah, and then Irving obviously leaves the tail up in the air. Yeah. He he hints at this, he hints at that, but ultimately it's up to the reader to to figure out, to and decide. You know and, and it works well. It's It's... There was a long time when people just thought you could end something suddenly and be like, oh, no, you have to work it out and think that that works. But that doesn't work. You can't just end something whenever you feel like it and call it a mystery. But Irving did a great job because he leaves very clear possibilities. It, yeah. it either either he was scared and ran off or he got like jacked by an actual ghost. And then he can, and then he's covered like, oh, are you hyper skeptical? Then, yeah, that's probably, yeah. you know, that's good writing. It sure is. Here's more about the good writing. Ichabod is the protagonist, right? Yep. But he represents some very unseemly qualities. First of all, he is a huge glutton. He eats everything. He eats anything and everything he can get his grubby little lanky hands on. He probably had a metabolic disorder because if you're eating everything and you're that skinny, you're in trouble. Yeah. Either that or you got a hollow leg. Tapeworms. So um, he's always, he's he's constantly weaseling his way into dinners, being invited to to dinner at places and, and yep. just eating everything up. He's, he's He loves the sweets. He loves the meats. You know, I heard some rumors that uh, he, he loves the meats. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. You know uh, how those uh, Connecticut Yankees are? Fucking <laughs> assholes. <laughs> He is also very greedy because as opposed to vying for uh, Miss Van Tassel's hand out of love, he's very much interested in the uh, estate that comes along with her. Exactly. He wants the money. Yeah. Braun wants her because she's smoking hot. That That is true. Which, I mean, is a, a in, that, in that context, a more noble pursuit. <laughs> uh, Ichabod also has a lot of uh, fear. Irrationality, a bit of hubris in there. He thinks he's oh yeah, because he's, he's the sh- he's he's the uh, East Coast intellectual. Right. You see what I'm saying here, people? You get this guy. You get this guy coming into a, a town with established values. Uh, we've got a local hero. 
uh, probably a first responder, uh, you know, and, and this guy comes in with his, uh, this is intellectualism, his, uh, his removal of a uh, faith from the, from the schools, to, trying to, uh, railroad, uh, liberal yeah, ideas yeah, he's, down, he's cramming down tradition. ideas, he's taking, he's, he's taking church out of the school, he's and stepping you, on the flag, and one guy stands up and says, you know, I'm not going to take any more of this, you know, I, I, I've already defended with my life, I, I am a, a veteran of the Revolutionary War, I, my name is Braun. <laughs> Oh, that was that was awesome how fast that happened. <laughs> yeah, Ichabod is progress versus tradition. Yeah, straight up. He and he's also pretty sinful. Uh he's a gold digger, he's ignoble. Ultimately he's an anti hero, which I, I feel like Disney does a disservice to that fact because Disney very much makes him out to be the victim in the whole thing. Right, and yeah. And he's charming in his gluttony. He's charming in, in his assholishness. I don't know. He doesn't seem like... He seems like a guy everyone wants... I mean, even in the Disney version, he's the guy everyone wants to throw a snowball at. Like, I mean, he. I don't know. He didn't seem terribly charming. It, his awkwardness, I, I think, seems, seems yeah. charming. I mean, he definitely charmed the ladies with all his knowledge and skills. <laughs> I hope you heard the Z in that. <laughs> oh, oh, they heard it. <laughs> but um, I, I don't feel like Disney makes it out to where this guy, you're, you're not rooting for this guy. You know what I mean? You yeah. want him to get to the bridge. You want him to be okay and for him to get Katrina. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. When you watch it, you're like, okay, this is, this is getting out of control now. Yeah. But he needs the, to survive this. In the story, if you pick it up and read it or listen to it, you, you I think you get a very different picture painted. Yeah. And speaking of uh, uh, Brahm, he is he's the quintessential foil for this story because he's completely opposite of Ichabod, mm-hmm. like in every way. And he actually embodies a lot of qualities of the hero. You know, he's he's uh, good looking. He's strong. He's very confident. Uh, he goes out there and, and wants uh, to win the hand of Katrina more out of love or at least lust. <laughs> and and in and, and, and a spitting match, nobody spits like Big Braun. Right. No one hits like Big Braun. No, he won't tell you this, he, but no one shits like Big Braun. <laughs> uh, Persecutes harmless crank pots like Big Braun. And <laughs> in, in that respect, Braun is the anti-villain. Yep. So you've got an anti-hero, an anti-villain. It's it's really kind of... If they shake hands, they'll explode. I, yeah, it's like Time Cop. <laughs> Can't occupy the same space, dude. Nope. And they'll hover. They'll do the splits and just hover. <laughs> is that his thing? There is never enough time he to still satisfy a woman. Do you want me to do splits again? Do you have any cocaine? Eastern European, yeah, Jean Claude. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, my Belgian accent's pretty bad. Oh, that's, uh, I'll, I'll take that. I'll All accept right. that. Now, if we keep going, you can even say that the horseman may be the manifestation of uh, this greed and the bad qualities that Ichabod encompasses. He, it's almost as though he draws the 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 horseman to himself. Right, right, yeah. and he is, and it's also kind of indicative of him consuming himself. He, his his actions cause this, so it's he's almost riding himself down there, you know, in in the in the dead of night. The um, horseman can smell a broken heart, <laughs> but how can he smell with no nose? <clears throat> the horseman, as we said, it was an icon that that's used forever. Yeah, <laughs> in Gottfried 
Berger's uh, Der Waldejäger, like I said before, and then uh, Carl Musaus has collected uh, German folktales. Also, like uh, with the Wild Hunt being Scandinavian, yeah. these guys are Dutch, hand in hand, it all foot, fits. meat, ass, whatever. <laughs> However you want to connect it. You've also got a theme of uh, man versus self and man versus man in there. The, the answer to every AP English question is man's inhumanity to man. <laughs> and that's what this is. It's a classic story of man's inhumanity towards man. The, those are the evident conflicts that are, that are in there. Yeah, you, yeah. Obviously, he's battling his own superstition within himself. It's, about, it's class warfare. <laughs> classic class warfare. It's the government uh, coming in and uh, it's man versus uh, higher powers. Uh, the oppression of a tyrannous government. You see, you change the names, you, 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 you whitewash everything. But I'll tell you right now, they had just as much of a problem back then with Obama as we do right now. <laughs> uh, so ultimately, Dave, yeah, is this Dave. story real? Did did something like this happen uh, in Sleepy Hollow back in the late 18th century? Unfortunately, no. But man, I wish it had. Yeah. It, it could have. This this absolutely could have happened. Well, maybe for all. All that we could find, this is completely made up by yep. Mr. Irving. A uh, wonderful story. Like we said, the setting is a great place for supernatural tales. They had their traditions already, no doubt. But beyond this short story, there's there's not much uh, in, the ter- in terms of accounts of encounters of a headless horseman or anything like this of the area. Although maybe he got Ichabod and was satisfied with his head. Yeah, who knows? Uh, it did do a lot to put Sleepy Hollow on the map. Yes, good for them. It endures as a tale of imagination and the dangers of uh, giving into greed and superstition, all that good stuff. If you want to, you know, delve into the, and, uh, and the also, psychology of it, don't don't ask an eighteen year old to marry you. You're just someone's going to jack you on your way home. <laughs> that's just that's just the lesson for for from right there. You know from experience, I guess. That's what, that's what that knowing look says. <laughs> Listen, I know it seems like it should be really easy, but people are total dicks about it, bro. And I tried to explain to them how everything was going to be awesome, but they just kept kicking me out of the Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> what are 18-year-olds doing? All right. Um, she worked there, dude. It's all so bad. <laughs> I got so many tickets. <laughs> it's about uh, truth versus conjecture, and it also leaves the audience, like we said, to decide what happened at the end. He puts it in our hands as to what the ending really uh, could be, and uh, it's it's exciting and has big, easily relatable characters in it, so what more could you ask for from a story? Yeah. Some of the pop culture with well, it. Of which there is, I mean, okay, let's say it for the 40th time, the Disney The thing. Disney version, yeah. It started out with uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, narrated by Bing Crosby. Oh, so good. But before that, there was uh, The Headless Horseman, which was a silent film in 1922 starring Will Rogers. Yep. In 1980, you get The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was a made-for-TV film Starring Jeff Goldblum as Ichabod Crane and Dick Butkus as Brom Bones. Yeah, Dick Butkus. I watched this. Have you seen it? No. It's hilarious. Nick Foster was in it. Hilariously bad. Oh, God. I'm I'm looking it up because I didn't see that, and yeah. I'm absolutely going to grab it. Yet, yet another one you can see on uh, on YouTube. Dick, Dick Butkus. <laughs> oh, God. Fresh off his NFL career. 
right into the annals of American literature. Yeah. Then you get um, uh, a, a little uh, piece of film that um, they like to call uh, Sleepy Hollow in 1999. Oh, yeah. By uh, uh, the famous Tim Burton. Yep. And uh, I don't want to shock you, but Johnny Depp was in that one. He was. Yep. He was. As was uh, Christopher Walken. Hey. Hey. Has anyone seen my head? Jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> Can't do it at all. <laughs> I, I instantly went right back to like the sports announcer. Jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> Disembodied flaming head. Third time up to the plate this season. And they're going to walk him. They're going to walk him. They don't want the heat he's bringing. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Sorry for sit, making you sit through that, but it's important to us. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people are in that. Christine Ricci's in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, not, uh, not really following the story of, uh, Washington Irving. No, but took, uh, took many liberties. You have to, you just have to. It's, I mean, to make a giant movie out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Tim, Tim Burton wise, of course it, it lends itself very well to the Tim Burton style. Right. And as a Tim Burton, <laughs> no, it, I, it, I'm, I'm getting paid every time I say Tim Burton. Apparently. It is notable in that, um, <laughs> it's a Tim Burton movie. It's got Johnny Depp in it. However, yeah, who's not in it? Helena Bonham Carter is That's not right. in it. No, thank you. Christina Ricci. Was... What do you want to bet? She's like a key grip in there. Like, check the credits. She's in there somewhere. She was a tree. She's like the assistant to Mister Depp. <laughs> She's a servant that brings them tea. That's right. Yeah, in that uh, Ichabod Crane is actually a constable from New York, which is uh, just weird. And then there's, I mean, just about everything somewhere, somewhere has like a little. Uh, a headless horseman episode, a reference to it, or something like. There's there's plenty of cartoons and TV shows that have had little oh a ton dabblings in that. There was one uh, movie that I watched. I don't know if it was a made for TV version or or a, like a Hallmark movie kind of kind of dealio. It didn't have anybody famous in it. In fact, it had well, it, it may have had real young actors uh, at the time. A young James Van Der Beek is brilliant in his role <laughs> as Ichabod Crane. It was well done uh, in terms of the guy. The guy who played Ichabod was uh, phenomenal. the The guy who played Brom and the girl who played Katrina left a little something to to be. <laughs> but um, all the the older actors were were great in it. I mean, obviously, it's Sleepy Hollow something, you know, because how you do it. That's what it is. Yep. But I can't yep. remember uh, who who the actor was or what. When it came out or any of that junk. I don't know anything that would help you find it, well, but I, you should see it. <laughs> <laughs> go, go on YouTube. You'll, you'll be able to find it. It's, uh, it stays pretty true to the, to the story. And uh, for being, I would say, mid, mid-level budget, it's, it's well done. And that's, that's it. There's, there's no other uh, references. There's no media adaptations of it. it, just, it just, the trail just goes cold. Well, except for oh yeah, except for this year, right? NBC brand new show, and it's doing really well. Sleepy I Hollow. I haven't seen it myself, but seems uh, to be. I just started popular. watching. I, I I watched. I think there have been four episodes of it. Are, um, are you into it? I. You know what? Compared to what other TV is on right now, I'm very into it. You see, I don't watch television. You might make note that I say television and not TV because TV is a nickname and nicknames are for friends. And television is no friend of mine. Wow. Mm. You are priggish. (laughs) 
That was a really great piece of Mr. Show right there. <laughs> Props to David Cross. Uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy it. I feel like at any moment it could uh, go off the rails and really, really throw me off and hurt my, my fragile little heart. But, oh. uh, but so far, the guy playing Ichabod, I think, is is phenomenal. Did you just say Ichabod? Did I? <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Uh, Ichabod. Uh, Ichabod Crane. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Southpaw out of Indiana. <laughs> and it's got some real cool uh, myth- mythological aspects in there. I mean, it's dealing with the four horsemen, so it's not, it's obviously nothing to do with the story itself. Right. It, it's, worth a, it's worth a watch. If you like this sort of stuff that we're talking about, you, you might enjoy this one. People who like Fringe might also enjoy this. I, th- I think so. So that's... There's, uh, our, there's our media recommendations. That's, that's Sleepy Hollow for you. Yeah. In a headless... Nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I got a couple of factoids, though, about uh, Mr. Irving. Oh, yeah? Factoid me. Real, real quick. He's the one who kind of wrote about the idea of uh, St. Nicholas flying in a uh, wagon. What? Over rooftops and stuff, which may have evolved into the old sleigh with the rain. Yeah, we owe him so much. He also... Wait a minute. Washington Irving writes about Santa Claus. Washington Irving, Irving Berlin, White Christmas. My head just exploded, then reformatted itself. How's that for sound effects? And I witnessed it. Uh Also, came up with uh, the myth that most people thought the Earth was flat before Columbus had his voyages. He did that? He did that. That yeah. son of a bitch. Uh, uh, apparently, the consensus was not that the Earth was flat through the ages. Huh. It's it's something that he, he wrote in one of his uh, historical fictions. <laughs> you write something down, people pick up on it, much like my lie about uh, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, teachers picked up on it. That's the thing. Teachers yeah. picked up on it and, and started preaching his gospel. Foolish teachers. Well, that's how you do, man. Yeah. Well, dude, it looks like uh, it looks like we we left the uh, the fall dance. That girl didn't like us, so that's that's hard to take. But it looks like we. That's uh, all right. I'm used to it. It looks like we've ridden our horses across the old bridge. We made it over the running water, so I guess we're totally safe now. <laughs> I don't even need to do anything. I made it across the bridge. <laughs> you. <laughs> Like laughing like that. It's so great. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. But he can't get to us from there. There's somebody with no head right there on the other side of the bridge. Yeah, but he can't cross the I bridge. Mean, dude, We're safe. Listen to it. No. <laughs> Why is he laughing like that? He's oh. having a real good time over there. Oh my god! Wait, what is that he's throwing? Oh my god! It's flaming. Oh, oh! And we were never heard from again. <laughs> but his laugh was. <laughs> that is awesome and freaky. Your neighbors are going to be like, oh, what the, the fuck? No, they is are. Is there a headless horseman going they're on next used door? To, they're used to our shenanigans <laughs> at this point. Oh, goodness. Well, who's yeah. going to start this foray into yeah. darkness? Uh, uh, you are. Okay. I have a product for you. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's actually a muscle relaxer and a headache medicine. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's really cool. When um, 
when your head feels like uh, an exploding pumpkin, you you need to take some Achybod pain reliever. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> that's really solid. That's a, that's a good one. I've got one. Uh, did you know that uh, uh, Washington Irving? He is there were there were ups and downs to his life. Really, and for a while he had a he had a little alcohol problem, but he couldn't really afford the good stuff. And during the, during that time, he uh, wrote under the name uh, Jonathan Old English. <laughs> Just get a forty. Uh, yeah, I think for some reason I, I keep thinking of Old English leather. The, oh, uh, yeah. the cologne. He's just, just, uh, just a can of OE. <laughs> He's just drinking that swill. That's right. That's right. All right. All right. I've got a store uh, that, that just specializes in cots and sleeping bags. Uh-huh. It's called the Bedless Snoresman. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'd shop in, there. Any Anything that you need to sleep on that's not a bed. Well, uh, I'd like to announce we uh, we have a new sponsor for the podcast. We do. Um, yeah, we actually got a, a theater show to uh, sponsor us. Hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a burlesque show mm-hmm. that's uh, playing here uh, in Chicago that the the Legend of Skimpy Hollow presents <laughs> the Topless Horseman, <laughs> starring Katrina Von Tassel. Ah. <laughs> oh man, that's right, and Lickabod L- Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to change Katrina Von Tassel. No. And Brom Bone. <laughs> That's right. See? <laughs> this thing writes itself. Yeah, I was pretty proud of the legend of Skimpy Hollow. <laughs> the topless horseman. That's like a a, a, com- a combo hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was like, that, that was like a six move combo. Pow, 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 yeah. Pow. Nice. Well, I'll give you a bonus one if oh, you want right, to do it. One. Do it. Because I did kind of like just jam like six into one, <laughs> one bag there. I've got a store uh, that sells brooms and dustpans and vacuums. Are they? They're, they're also a sponsor of the podcast now. They, um, they're work, we're we're working on. We're in negotiation. Oh, good, good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we we might get sponsored by Sweepy Hollow. Oh, so good. <laughs> How about you, people out there? You think you can kick our asses? Yeah. What I'd do you l- got? I'd like you to. What do you got? What do you got? Oh my God, Flora. And the next day, when the villagers went to the bridge, they found no sign of Ichabod. Just a shattered pumpkin filled with listener mess! Those are all the kids that love eating raw pumpkin bits. Mm-mm-mm, from the ground. Ugh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I can tell you... Uh, we, we got smashed in the face with yeah, a fiery we, jack-o'-lantern of listener mail this we, week. We really did. Uh, <laughs> giganticest, highest five ever to uh, you, our beloved listeners. Mm-hmm. You have actually written enough listener mail now that we've had to enact like a new protocol to figure out how to get through it. <laughs> it's enough that we're like, huh, we're... That's a lot of mail to get yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we read all of them, and we uh, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that everybody gets their moment. And uh, hopefully, as the podcast becomes more popular, it becomes a bigger problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, might uh, might dedicate a whole episode to right. it. Who knows? <laughs> so uh, so let's let's just dive right in. Yeah. to this this shattered pumpkin. Uh, right off the bat, we've got a new Australian friend named Mickey. Hey, Mickey. And, 
<laughs> do, don't, do you don't, hate that? Don't pander. Do you hate that don't when pander. that happens? Yeah. Is, you, is that is that a is that a faux pas? Should we I, not do I that? I think that anything that Crocodile Dundee said, or or uh, Paul Hogan, as he's known in his homeland, uh, yeah, homeland, homeland. Our Australian accents are terrible. That's and, true. I mean, any any accents, like right. blank accents, are yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's true. So, it's true. Yeah. But anyway, Mickey loves to listen to our podcast, which makes him very smart. And um, his coworkers don't understand why he's grinning all the time. And then he explains to them, and then they go, "Oh, I get it. I see what's going on." <laughs> and then it spreads like a virus. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon we'll be like those frogs down there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cane toads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't. I've got a fairly sizable knowledge of Australia. I'm not. I'm not trying to go toe to toe with you, dude. <laughs> Lay off. Back off, bro. Lay off me. It's not a fight. Uh, but also. Uh, Mickey claims to have himself a Min Min Light experience that really? we do want to hear about. We do. Yes, of please. Course. So thank you for listening. And, Thanks, and in advance, thank you for sharing your Min Min story with us. Yeah. Us. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> uh, I want to hear a women women's story. Flora, what's, what's next? I got a Facebook message from uh, listener Lenny. Hey, Lenny. Lenny sends us a pun. Uh, he says, so I made a belt out of old watches. When I showed my dad, he scolded me saying... You're always wasting time. Oh. Classic. Classic pun. Classic pun. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Lenny. Uh, we'll file that under time slips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we got uh, an awesome pun from our friend Disturbed. Also, a couple of really good suggestions. Nice. That we're putting into the hopper. So look, Thanks. look to those in the future. Here we go. When I was on vacation and I, I met a girl in Wales, we agreed to meet up later at the Skirred Mountain Inn, but she left me hanging. Yeah. Oh! Well played, Disturbed. <laughs> Rodney Danger filled that one. <laughs> Goo. Uh, we got a got a great pun from Gerald. Good to hear from you again. Uh, Gerald says, "When you absolutely, positively must have psychic visions over pancakes, use taro syrup." Like taro syrup. Like I get it. Yeah. Real sweet. Real sweet. And mm-hmm. you can tell your future. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's that's a good one. That's <laughs> it's except for it allows you to see how fat you'll be getting. <laughs> yeah. It'll you, you can see the diabetes a mile away. All right, we got a uh we got uh oh an email uh, from from a new uh listener, Diane. Hey Diane. Yeah. Thanks uh, for listening. And she's got a question. Uh the question is, what are you doing with that college degree? It, well, is it who, to you or to to me? I know what I'm doing with mine. Yeah. Because mine's in a frame and I use it to beat down commies. That's right. USA. 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 Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, Let me just give a a brief uh, history, Diane. After graduating from Colorado State University in the year 2000, I took a job at a a large insurance company doing recursive billing and benefits administration. And I took the spare spare time from that job to learn the secrets of Shaolin Kung Fu, which I trained at for four years, becoming an instructor. Then I moved to Antarctica, lived there for a while, worked at a South Pole station. Then I uh, came back, was a loan officer, and then uh, bought into a small stone business which was not a heck of a lot of fun. Then I moved to Chicago to be uproariously hilarious. And now I uh, work at a large insurance company and have a very successful podcast. I hope that answers your question. That is what I'm doing with my degree. I'm sorry. I kind of blacked out. Did, was that just an ad for Scientology? What, what pretty had, much. What pretty happened? much. My thetan level is just great. It couldn't be better. Not a word of it a lie. <laughs> not a word of it a lie. Uh, so thank you, Diane. Um, please write us again 
Send us a pun, Diane. Yeah, send us a pun. Um, if you know anybody else who listens in your household named Al, maybe he can send us a pun. <laughs> Do you know Diane? <laughs> I might know Diane. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for writing, Mom. I love you. <laughs> Dave. We, yeah, we we've got a we got an email from Johnny Robots. Ah, I love Johnny Robots. Uh, John. At this point, our number one fan. <laughs> it's it, it well, I I would say debatable, but well, I mean, he's he's making a pretty good case for himself. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's he's going strong in the paint. Well, I'll tell you what, he's he's taking he, it to the hoop. Greasing the palm here a little bit because he starts off uh, with in the email saying that the uh, our episodes are of extremely high quality. <laughs> Much oh. like our math. Oh, Much goodness. like our math. Uh, and the intro to, to episode 55 was magnificent. Uh, thanks, Johnny Robots. Johnny requests that we, we do something with uh, Cockney vampires, uh, like we were talking about when we talked about Sean Manchester <laughs> at Old Highgate Cemetery. That's right. <laughs> we were like, blood and a... What say we blood? have a, uh, a taste in it, blood, don't I? <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd prefer to keep to the shadows if it's all the same to you, Gav. On account of my skin bursting into flame with contact of the sun. Not exactly popular. <laughs> Not my first choice. <laughs> There's two things you need to know about us vampires. First of all, keep us out of the sunlight. Second of all, your blood's ours. <laughs> there you go, Johnny Robots. Yeah. Your wish is granted. I, and I we won't it. stop doing that either. That's- Cockney vampires, that's a that's a new one. That yeah, is, we invented that. that. Anybody else thing. does that, they're thefting from us. Trademark. Yeah. And uh, we got a request for Candy Chat uh, by listener Victoria. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Victoria. And hopefully your craving for Candy Chat gets satisfied soon. If only we knew who was in charge of that and could confidently say that that might definitely happen. This week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, we got an email from listener D Toots hmm. who uh, says, hey, more mouth sounds, please. Yeah. Oh, okay. You okay. got it. We can you do that. It. Your wish is our command, we'll, Mr. We Toots. will do that. We will do that. And thanks for writing. <laughs> that wasn't fake. <laughs> but seriously, the mouth sounds will be very real. All right. We've done the good news. We've done the fun times. Now it's about to get real. What? What do you yeah, mean? Because we're taking, we're getting taken to the mat by our very astute listeners. And uh, Jen, our great and very attractive uh, friend of the podcast. We assume that all of you are good looking, by the way. Yeah. Because you probably are. Well, if you've got taste this good, then then you're good looking. That's true. That's all there is to it. Well, it's a vicious cycle of, of mm-hmm. hotness. Yeah, and it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. <laughs> anyway. What is this taking to the mat stuff? Yeah, well, sorry. Sorry, Flora. What? You're going into the hole. <laughs> That's right. Eastern Solid. State Penitentiary. That's right. No, you got to go you get to go to the penalty box, Wait, Joseph. What? Yep. Why? Here's the thing. You have to understand that Jen's justice is tough, but fair. It's tough, but fair. <laughs> you just repeated the same thing. I know. What a different emphasis. Because uh, while she loves the show and she really enjoys uh, how much fun we have doing it, which is as much fun as we do enjoy it. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. She is sick and tired of your candy assing around the Dybbuk box. What? As am I. As am I. As Wait, what do you mean? Jen is the voice of a generation. Of a thousand, thousand listeners saying, when are we going to do the Dybbuk box? So she's putting you in the penalty box for being afraid of it. We don't even own it. She makes a perfectly valid point. How do you spell gin? Is it with a D? Oh, <laughs> no, no, because, all right, all right. I, I would like to say this in my defense. 
I'm not afraid to talk about the goddamn Dybbuk box. Oh, whoa, GD Dybbuk box. Oh, I am no. not afraid to talk about the subject. What I have is superstition that along with talking about it or even listening about it, listening about it, that equipment fails, electrical problems happen. I just don't want the podcast to be lost to you. Our precious listener. Oh, don't I'm don't you dare! You. Don't you dare hang this on them. You're going in the box. And I also liked her phrasing. Uh, she says to you, "Strap on your big boy pants and make it a topic already." Yeah, <laughs> I respect that, and I cannot wait to have a Dybbuk box, epi- box episode. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go so far as to say before the year is out. So you're right. you're going into the box, Brostein. Yeah. Well, fine, I'll I'll accept that. And I just want to say, as I go in. I'm not afraid to discuss anything on here. I would be afraid if we lost the audio. Uh, it's so Dave, nice. It's so nice to be on the high ground. You are the one making the mistakes this week. You yeah. get in the penalty box, and it's, I'm clean. Oh, so clean. You 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 love being clean. It's real nice. I it's do, a nice I feeling, do. but I it's guess that's false. the end of what? It's a false feeling. What? You are just as unclean as I, my friend. How's that? Well. Listener Connor calls your ass out. What? I've done nothing. I maintain my innocence. Connor found a glaring mistake in a reference that you offhandedly made. Oh, well, those are my favorite references. <laughs> in the Voodoo episode, uh-huh. uh huh. when we were talking about uh, the song Voodoo by Godsmack, apparently... Oh, God. Okay. Apparently oh, you... oh, no, did I not get something right about Godsmack? <laughs> you made the... Ooh, sound i did i remember that which is not a godsmack sound it's actually in a song by disturbed (laughs) the band disturbed from the song down with the sickness (laughs) right that's how that goes he's right he's (laughs) absolutely right brah (laughs) i cannot and i will not be convicted for a lack of knowledge of Disturbed versus Godsmack. Godsmack. I All right. can't even remember their name. So you think it's a misdemeanor? It's it's a misdemeanor, and uh, I do deserve a slap on the wrist. I'll, All right. I'll well, probably... how about we compound it with another foul? Oh, what? Yes, I Connor. I just uh, you're you're honor, you're honor. You can't. You cannot. No, no. Uh, double uh, jeopardy order, rules. Order, oh. order, please. Order. We'll have you removed by the bailiff in contempt. Rusty the bailiff. Uh, Connor also says you referred to a group of ravens as being called a murder. Uh huh. When in fact, it's a murder of crows. Oh shit! Well, okay, Connor. That I accept that you're right. You damn it. What is it? So what is it? What is a what's a ravens? A shout of ravens? <laughs> uh, I think I'm... it might be a towel of ravens, isn't it? <laughs> towel. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Because it, it's... it a frame of ravens. No, what is it's. It? It's uh, it's an ashtray of aardvarks. Hmm. Maybe it's a septic tank of ravens. What is it? Holy shit. Do you know what it is? What? No bullshit. A group of ravens is called an unkindness. <laughs> How much eye makeup was the person wearing who made that up? 
An unkindness of Ravens. Well, you know what? I will go to the box for that because yeah. you're right. You, you got me on that one. I will never feel responsible to remember lyrics to Godsmack <laughs> or any of these things. Well, uh, Connor, Connor requests that you do The Raven uh, by Edgar Allan Poe in its entirety, but we're not going to... Well, uh, objection, Your Honor. Objection, Your Honor. While uh, my client was, in fact, found guilty of the charges, he uh, the, the opposing counsel is not a part of the sentencing procedure, Your Honor. That is up to the state to determine. Sustained. Ah, oh, lawyer sustained. Uh, we get to choose what we read, but thanks, <laughs> thanks for playing along. Uh, and thank you for holding me accountable for my ignorance. And maybe, maybe you should pay attention to the bullshit that comes out of Flora's mouth next week. <laughs> But thank you, he's, Connor. He's right. Connor also uh, sends us some some good suggestions and also casts uh, yeah. a vote for the Dybbuk box. So yeah, f- it. we're yeah. gonna do it. Oh, yeah, it's too late. I mean, you're you're too. You've already been um, convicted of cowardice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have to accept my fate. Yep. But uh, so as not to leave total a total uh, bad taste in our mouth. Connor yep. hits us with a couple puns. He says that uh, a friend of old Ted Nugent mentioned bat squatch to old Uncle Teddy who, having become obsessed with hunting this poor creature, is said to have gone into recording his new single, Bat Squatch Fever. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah! Nice, oh, nice. Dude, anytime you can bring the nuge into a pun, you're doing all right. <laughs> and uh, and one more from Connor. Before becoming an admiral, Akbar was an OBGYN, but was fired not long after reports began circling that when examining women and finding a particular STD, the women would ask, What did you find? To which he responded, it's a clap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well played, uh, nice. Connor. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Connor. So, uh, w- without further adus, uh, we're gonna we're gonna step our asses into the That's old right. pimply box. It's time for the punitive section of our podcast. Uh, I'll I'll be going first in the old uh, uh, PB and J. I'll go on and step in. Okay. So since this is the first time we've both been put into uh, the lockdown simultaneously, we are going to split. The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. So, uh, Flora, you're going to take it right off the top. And may God have mercy on our wretched, wretched souls. All right, I'm into the box. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Twas brillig and the slivy toves dig iron gimbal in the wabe. All mims were the bullrigoves and the momraps sunk. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jub-jub bird and shun, the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the manxome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. Okay, handoff time, now it's my turn. And as an elfish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling to the Talgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went clumping back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, my babyish boy. <laughs> oh, rapturous day, clay, he chortled it in his joy. Twas brilling, and the slithy toves did gyre and gibble in the wave. <laughs> oh, mim 
Lindsay, where the boar groves and the momoraths out gray. That's what you get. Yeah, well, now we're all punished. Everyone was punished. <laughs> so keep on sending stuff in. Oh, man, please do. It. Yes. Uh, chase us all over the, the countryside. Yeah, go on to iTunes and uh, throw us five uh, stars, mm-hmm. flaming stars. As hard as you can. Throw them so they stick. And uh, write us a, re- a review if you feel so inclined. Thank you yeah. to those of you who have written. Love that. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our Twitter feed. Yep. We're at uh, Blurry Photos Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. And we're at Blurry underscore photos on Twitter. Thanks for tweeting and retweeting and favoriting our stuff. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys are the very best. And, and this is the best month of the best people for the best podcast. So <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> when, when do we take the uptick? We'll have to consult the, uh, yeah. maybe Imolg. Yeah. <laughs> we will have to. You said there's a B in La- there, right? Lamas. Yeah. How? Yeah. Find it. How? Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, next week, you get to look forward to Ooh. chilling. Oh, man. Your spine terrifying. should be tingling now. Horrible. Delectable. Disgusting tales of terror. <laughs> Hantavirus. <laughs> and, uh, we get uh, we get our second installment of Halloween ghost stories oh, coming for you, Halloweener. We are going to rearrange your minds with terror. Y'all gonna piss your pants. <laughs> So anyways, for uh, this episode of Blurry Photos, I'm David, the Connecticut Yankee Stecco. And I'm David, <laughs> Flora. <laughs> Flaming pumpkin sound. Same exact sets of problems. They got they got someone trying to pump up big government. They're trying to get their tentacles into everything. You got this. You got this. This guy sitting in our in our educational system, sitting in our schools, trying to trying to uh, push prayer right out the trying door. Trying to tell us what to eat, what to put in our bodies. Is that, is that every every eat era? Everything up, eating uh, everything. Obama's as much of a problem for them as he is for us today. Obama is is a, is a concept. He is a, he is a, a, a specter. He uh, he is haunting our nation uh, in all directions. It's exactly like uh, the the uh, series finale of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, he is a, a reverse time chrono particle of blight on this country. And uh, the farther back in time we go, the bigger our problem he is. I've been saying this for months, people. I've been saying it for months. <laughs> reverse time chrono particle. I've been saying it for months. <laughs>